Second Chronicles 7. This is a very familiar portion of Scripture, but we certainly haven't exhausted all the light and truth out of any verse of Scripture. Second Chronicles 7, verse 14. The Lord is speaking here. And the Lord said, If my people, my people, well, today under the new covenant, we're his people. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now, this verse is talking about healing, among other things. Unless you think that he's just talking about some symbolic form of healing, all you'd have to do is back up in the 13th verse and see that the word pestilence is used there. And, of course, I realize sometimes folk think that means pests like ants or bugs or something, but pestilence means plagues, plague after plague. He's talking about physical disease, and he's talking about judgment. And so he said, if, if you go back and read the whole portion of Scripture, if drought was occurring, if the enemy was attacking the land, and then he mentions, among other things, if there's disease, if there's plague going through the land, he said, this is what you do. If my people, which are called by my name, will, what's the first thing he told them to do? Humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive, and I will heal. Praise God. How many believe he's still in the hearing business? He's still in the forgiving business. And he's just as much, thank God, still in the healing business. But did you notice the first thing he told them to do? uh, I've read the scripture many times. And, And just today the Lord arrested my thinking when I was looking. He said, did you notice... The first thing mentioned there is not prayer or seeking God or confessions. As important as prayer and confession and seeking God is, what did he say? What did he say first? Humble yourself. And like a flash, I begin to see, you know, I've taught on this for years. I've been in healing school now for 10 years, working virtually every day. Healing school began here in 1979. I began uh, in uh, the latter part of 81. And uh, you see some of the same things over and over and over and over again in the area of healing. And I tell you, I found there to be a tremendous, tremendous connection between humility and healing. And so that's what I'm talking to you about today. And perhaps throughout the week as the Lord would lead us is humility and healing. How many interested in healing? Then you should be interested in humility. Because, I mean, one of the last things he said here is that he would heal. But what's the first thing he said? Humble. Humble. Do you see? Humble and heal. Humble and healed. Now, I know from, from some small experience... Many, many people do not really know what humility is or what pride is. These things are so vague in the minds of people. And there are religious forms of humility 
that are actually pride in disguise. Did you know that some folk are even proud that they're humble? (laughs) So then what are they? Proud or humble? Proud. It's a lot of deception involved. And as the Lord would give us utterance and as he leads us, I want to get into some things about identifying these areas. And once in a while, you may think I've digressed from my subject of healing, but all you have to do is remember our text. Amen. That if you want healing, what's something to know about? Humility. Humility. Go with me to James, the fourth chapter. James chapter four. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, will, number one, humble themselves, seek my face, pray, turn from their wicked ways. You understand what turn means, don't you? That means change, right? Turn from one thing to another. It means make a change. How many understand we need to make some changes sometimes? Sometimes we need to make some little changes. Just little adjustments in our thinking. Just little adjustments in our attitude. Just little adjustments in the way we live and do things. Sometimes we need major adjustments. I mean, you know, sometimes we're off just a few degrees in our thinking, talking, saying, living. So we can adjust just a little bit and we're right back where we need to be. Sometimes we've let ourselves think on the wrong thing and believe the wrong thing. And man, we're, we're 90 degrees off. 180 degrees off. You understand what I'm saying? And sometimes we, we need to completely turn, you know, turn back the opposite direction of the way we've been going. We need to make some radical, big time changes. Amen. And the ability to perceive and make these changes makes all the difference in your ability to receive from God. And I trust that's going to become clearer to you as we go. In James, the fourth chapter, notice this. James chapter four and verse six. James four, six says, but he giveth more grace. How many know God gives grace? How many know you need grace? I I don't mean once in a while you need grace. I mean Every hour of the day. You need grace to get out of the bed in the morning. You need grace to get yourself wherever you're going. And you need grace to stay there. And then you need grace to leave. Amen. How many know you need grace? All the time. It is by His grace. That everything in life is successful through Christ. Not through our works, not through our efforts, but by His grace. By His grace we're saved. Is that right? Through our faith, by His grace. How are people healed? By grace. Isn't that right? Through faith, same way. How are people delivered? By grace, through faith. How are people of success in life or ministry? By grace, through faith. How are people's marriages a success? By grace. Do I have any married people in here? Have you been together longer than five or seven years or whatever? 
10 years, 20 years? How many people here, you've been, you've been together over 20 years? Let me lift your hands. Now, uh, how, how did you stay together that long? <laughs> By His grace. Now, I'm sure that your neighbors and friends might just think it's because your husband is so wonderful. Or because your wife is so wonderful. Or because you're so wonderful. But you know, and they know, it's by His grace. <laughs> My wife and I have been married for 15 years. I know I don't look that old, but we, we have. Now, what are you laughing about? But uh, anyway, we got married when we were real young. We did. And I told her, you know, a few years back, I said, you know, the fact that you and I are together and we're doing well and have a good relationship now is proof positive that God is real. God is real. Because we, we had a lot of hurdles. You know, just, just when you marry so young, you don't know anything and you're, both of you are just trying to grow up and, oh boy, some of you know what I'm talking about. But it's by His grace. Amen. I've been in the ministry a few years, not that long, but a few years now. And it's just by His grace. Because I'd have failed and flopped and been out of the ministry several times over if it hadn't have been for His grace. You understand what I'm saying? And every one of us, if we've made any degree of success, we've had victory, if we've accomplished this or that that was good and positive, it has all been by His grace. Through faith. Amen. And if you are healed, how will it be? By grace. Through faith. So in order to be healed, of course you know healing is yours, I trust. Jesus bought and paid for your healing. By his stripes you were healed. But just because it's yours legally doesn't mean you automatically enjoy it. Let me say like this. What has been provided by grace must be possessed through faith. What has been provided by grace must be possessed by faith. Do you understand that? Brother Hagin's talking last night about the Canaan's land, promised land. God gave them the promised land, that first generation, but they didn't possess it. Now you couldn't say that they didn't enjoy it because he hadn't given it to them. Because he had. Why didn't they enjoy it? Because they didn't possess what had been given to them. Healing is yours, but you've got to possess it. Do you understand that? And the enemy will resist you on every hand when you go to, try to, uh, when you go to appropriate and to possess the blessings of God. I think you know that, don't you? He's not just going to, I mean, you understand that the giants in the land are symbolic and representative of the enemy. And when the Israelites got there to that first city of Jericho, they got there to the first cities, you know, the giants didn't say, uh-oh. The Israelites are here. God gave them the land. Well, I guess we better pack up and leave. No, they had to fight them. Isn't that right? And they had to take every square foot of that place. And God told them every place the sole of your foot will tread upon. You've got to put your foot on it and you've got to take it. He said, but it's yours. He'd already given it to them, but they still had to take it. Do you understand that? When God says he's given you something, that doesn't mean an angel comes down out of the sky and spoon feeds it to you. 
When God says, see that over there? Yeah, that wonderful blessing? Yes, that's yours. I have given it to you. Jesus bought it. He paid for it. It's yours. Now what comes next? Go get it. Do you understand? And then when you go to get it, you'll meet some great, big, ugly, hairy giant. And he'll say, this is mine. And you can't have it. And you have to say, that's what you think, bud. This is mine. God gave it to me. And you might as well get off. You can go the easy way or the hard way. But you're leaving because this is my property. Amen. And you got to make up your mind. Healing is mine. Amen. Everybody say it out loud. Healing is mine. Healing is mine. See, it's already been provided for you. It's already been bought. It's already been paid for. It's already been given to you. So don't pray for on and on saying, God, give me healing. God, heal me. God, give it to me. He has given it to you. Don't work on God's end trying to get him to heal you, trying to get him to give it to you. He has given it to you. But you've got to possess it. And how do you possess it? By grace, through faith. Through faith. Now, the reason I've said all this and emphasized this so much is because who does God give his grace to? See the rest of that verse right there? He giveth more grace. He giveth more grace. God's in the grace-giving business. And what does he say? God resisteth the proud... And he gives grace to the humble. Without God's grace, will you be healed? No. Without God's grace, will you be a success? No. No. It'll be by his grace. It'll be through your faith, but it'll be by his grace. There's something that comes before and is greater than your faith. It's his grace. I mean, except for the grace of God, you wouldn't even know about redemption. Except for the grace of God, you'd be out somewhere sinning. You wouldn't be in here in a church meeting today. Is that right? Why are so many other people completely oblivious to God, completely dull and desensitized to the blessings of God, while you're in here hungry for the things of God? Why? Is it because that your intelligence is so superior? I assure you, no. Just because you're a better human being? Well, no, it's because in God's grace, before the foundation of the world, He saw you. He chose you. He called you. Amen. I know one day... Uh, uh, I, my wife and I had been believing for something, and, the, and some things came in for us, and the Lord blessed us with some things. And some folk saw it, and they had asked me, they said, well, you know, how'd you get that? And I said, well, I believe, I believe for it. I believe for it. And when I said that, I had a check down in here. I had a check. Now... You know, I, I, and when I did, I thought, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with I believe for it? And I didn't, you know, I didn't see right then. But later on, I got to pray and I, I said, Lord, is something wrong with that? Is something wrong with what I said? And I finally got my head quiet. 
How many know that if you ask the Lord a question, you need to try to hear something out of the air? All right. And you don't check up here. Because where is the Lord? He's in your spirit. And a lot of times you have, it takes you a little while to get your head quiet. And then when we say we hear from God, many times people misunderstand. We're not talking about hearing voices. We're not talking about having feelings. The main way that God communicates with you is through the inward witness. And the inward witness is not even a voice. It's just an inward knowing. Now the Holy Ghost has a voice. Your own spirit has a voice. But the inward witness is just an inward knowing. You just know in your spirit what God's communicating to you. And a lot of times we'll say, well, God told me this or that. But, but really, we hadn't heard voices. We just know intuitively the communication of God. And that's the number one and the main way God's going to lead you. Uh, the, the Word of God and the inward witness. Well, I got, finally got my head quiet. And the Lord began to speak to my heart. And he said, well, you said, I, I believe for it. He said, the faith that you had to believe for it. He said, really, whose faith is it? I said, well, Lord, it's a, it's a measure of the God kind of faith. It's your faith came from you. He said, and how did you get it? I said, well, I got it from hearing your words. He said, and uh, would you have gotten it from my word if I hadn't revealed it to you? I said, no, sir. He said, and didn't you almost give up on believing for it several times, but I, but I encouraged you. I even sent people by you to encourage you and to stir you up. I said, yes, sir, that's right. And he said, and then who brought the word to pass? I said, well, you did. And I mean, time he got through talking to me, I was almost wondering if I did anything, you know. Now, you understand, I got all this in my heart. And he said, well, if it was my, you know, measure of my faith from me, by my word, I sustained you, I performed it. Then he said, why wasn't I even mentioned? Because I just said, I believe for it. Why wasn't I even mentioned? I said, I'm sorry, Lord. Just, I was just ignorant, just dumb, you know. Forgive me. And I made an adjustment that day. And, and I'm not saying, you know, if somebody says, I believe for it, don't slap their hand and say, well, you don't have to say it like that. <laughs> a lot of times it's not so much even just the technicalities of what you say. It's your heart attitude and it's how you think. So people get over technical about stuff. But, but most of the time, if anybody asks me about a blessing or, or anything nowadays, you know, and I have for a long time, I say, well, the Lord. The Lord blessed me. The Lord did this for us. The Lord gave this to us. The Lord, the Lord. And, and he, the Lord spoke to me. He said, he said, you're to be commended for believing me, but give me the glory. Amen, because I am the one who did it. And our focus, you know, needs to be right, doesn't it? And so yeah, this is what we're talking about. This is uh, giving God the glory that's proper and due is part of humility. Giving God the place he should have and taking your real place. He's the creator. You're the created being. Amen. He's the giver. You're the recipient. He's the master. You're the servant. He's the father. You're the son or daughter. Amen. So anyway, God resists the proud. Now, you don't want God to resist you, do you? I don't either. So what do we need to make sure that we get rid of? Pride. 
Now you do understand that every human being in this room has pride. Oh yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I've had people say, well now Brother Keith, you know, I used to have a lot of trouble with pride. But, uh, you know, I got delivered from it. Well, see, the day that you thought you conquered it is the day it won. You got pride. Pride is part of the nature of your flesh. You understand that? Pride and selfishness kind of sums up the nature of the flesh. You understand the nature of your flesh is selfishness and pride. Now, that's not very lovely. I knew that didn't bless you too much, but uh, it's the truth. Your flesh, I'm not talking about somebody else, your flesh, the nature, because you understand when you got born again, it wasn't your flesh that got born again. It was your spirit. You know, basically the day after you get saved, in, inside your new creature in Christ, you got the new nature, you got the love of God in your spirit, but still you basically have the mind and body of a sinner the day after you get saved. That's why the Bible tells you to get your mind renewed and to put your body under. Amen. And now that you're a new creature in Christ, you can do it. You've got the power to do it. But the, that nature will always be with you until, praise God, Jesus comes and this body's changed. Pride and selfishness is going to be in the nature of your flesh from now on. I know that doesn't bless you. But you know, you don't need to be ignorant of the enemy's devices. And if you act ignorant about your very nature, then he's got an advantage over you. And pride is something you'll have to deal with as long as you live down here. And selfishness is something you'll have to deal with as long as you live down here. You can grow spiritually and you can develop, but it'll always be there and it'll crop up from time to time. And you'll have to deal with it or else just yield to it. You know, uh... Uh, in teaching, I, I teach some things in the Bible school along this line. I'm much more involved uh, in some of these areas. And I've had, I've had several students at the end of the term come and say, You know, Brother Keith, before I took this course, I never had any trouble with pride. <laughs> but man, boy, I've had all kinds of trouble with pride. Well, see, what was the issue? I told him, I said, Yeah, you don't have trouble with something you yield to. You understand that? You see, while you're just yielding to pride, you don't realize you even got a problem. Now, maybe everybody around you realize you got a major problem with pride. But you, you know, you're thinking you got it together. But when you really begin to realize what it is, then you have a challenge. So that's the first step of identifying pride. What is it? And I trust if the Lord, you know, lets us, we're going to talk about that. But God resists the proud. And gives grace to the humble. If you want to be healed, you need grace. If you want direction, you need grace. If you want to be successful in life and ministry, you need grace. If you've been successful and you want to be more successful, you need more grace. Is that right? And if you're interested in more grace, what should you be interested in? Being more humble. Because the humble get the grace. Is that right? More humble, more grace. More proud, less grace. But really it boils down to this. You see, the more proud you are, the more full of yourself you are. 
The more full of yourself you are, that's the less of God you're full of. You can't be full of yourself and full of God. So if you want to be full of God, you have to be less full of self. Amen. Some of you are looking at me funny. Like, I didn't bargain for this. I wanted to come shout about 1 Peter 2.24. Well, <laughs> this is all part of it. <laughs> I, di- I didn't write the scripture. What did he say in our text? What's the fir- he, he, he said he would heal. But what's the first thing he told us to do? Humble ourselves. Have you thought about that much, you see? Well, let's think about it this week. Let's look at it. I want you to go back with me now to Matthew, the 15th chapter. And I want us to study a case of a person who did just what we're talking about. They humbled themselves and they got healed. Does that excite you? It does me. I get excited about grace. If you know what it is, you, you will be excited about it. Because, Lord, I mean, God's grace can make you virtually Superman. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about or not, but I mean, you know, you can do all things. How? Through Christ, which is another way of saying by God's grace. It's all through Him and by Him. But without Him, you can't do anything. Oh, I mean, you can work yourself silly and do nothing. You can exhaust your resources and just flop. But by God's grace, things flow and things go and produce. Amen? Amen. By God's grace, you have favor. By God's grace, you have strength. By God's grace, you have innovative ideas and wisdom and revelation and talent and ability and anointing. Direction. Revelation. All by His grace. And who gets the grace? The humble. The humble. In Matthew 15, verse 21 begins, and we'll read this. I think you're familiar with this, but let's study it. It's the case of the healing of the uh, woman from Samaria, her daughter. The Syrophoenician woman's daughter, we might say. In verse 21... It says, Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Zidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast. Now, if you read over in Mark 7, it also records this account. Instead of saying a woman of Canaan, it says a a Greek woman. It says a Syrophoenician woman. Now, Syrophoenicians were mixed breeds. They were half Syrian and half Phoenician. Therefore, Syrophoenician. Mixed breeds. Syrophoenician means uplifted palm. I thought that was interesting. Uplifted palm or upraised, exalted, excuse me, exalted palm. That's what it literally means, exalted palm. And uh, I think we can see an exalted palm humble herself in this portion. This woman, it would help you to understand that this woman, by in our new covenant, if this was a story that happened within that framework, we would say that she was a sinner woman. Now see, there were people that were called Jews 
that couldn't trace their ancestry back to Abraham. They were from what we might call Gentile nations, but they had become Jewish proselytes. They had accepted Jehovah as their God. They had uh, uh, come into the covenant, the old covenant we would call it. And uh, they had keep the law and, and make sacrifices. They would make trips back to Jerusalem, you see. And yet they were not Jews, uh, you know, as far as tracing their heritage, but yet they had become Jews. This woman is not called a Jew. She is not, there's no implication that she's a Jewish proselyte. She is a heathen. You understand that? I mean, the words he gives us, Greek, Canaanite, Syrophoenician. If you understand the word, that means heathen, heathen, heathen. <laughs> sinner, sinner, sinner. Now, if you've read the scriptures, you know that the Lord told Israel, he said, in one place he told them, he said, I don't want you to think that I'm giving you this promised land because you're so wonderful. Now, that's Keith Moore paraphrase. He said, I don't want you to think that you're getting this land because you're so wonderful. He said, because you're not, you're a stiff-necked bunch. He told them that. He said, but you need to understand that these nations, these seven nations, Hittites, Canaanites, Gergesites, all thoseites, he said, they're being driven out because of their wickedness. They are so wicked and so abominable that the land itself is vomiting them out. And this woman was what? Canaanite. That's her grandparents. You understand what I'm saying? That's her forefathers. And so she's a heathen. And she comes to Jesus, verse 22, and she cried to him and she said, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Now, let's just stop for a moment. You know, I think sometimes people don't get into this enough. We just say, well, she, her daughter had a devil. Let's get her delivered, you know. And, of course, that's, that's the right thing to think. But you, did you ever stop to think, why did her daughter have a devil? You understand? I think sometimes people don't look at this enough. You know? When people come and say, well, you know, man, my, you know, this one's got this problem, this one's got the Well, okay, how'd they get that way? Well, they were just fine, and then bingo, they had a devil. No. Uh-uh. No. For the enemy to get this kind of stronghold in somebody's life, there's got to be some things going on. There's got to be some yielding going on. You understand what I'm saying? You're not just walking along the road and bingo, oops, I got a devil. <laughs> it makes you wonder, what kind of house did she live in? What kind of things went on in their house? Are you listening? We know she's a Canaanite. We know she's heathen. What's been going on in their house? What kind of practices do they get involved in? Do you understand what I'm saying? I've learned through the years, because we have people that come for deliverance as well as people that come for healing. And I've learned, you know, that uh, you, you have to, many times you have to try to help people see what got them into this shape. Because if you don't, you can try to get them help. But I mean, in a few days, they can be back in worse shape than what they were in. You know what I'm saying? Because if you're not going to stop doing what caused you to get in that shape to begin with, 
then really you'd be better off just leaving people alone. Because you don't want them to wind up worse. I've had people say, well, I've just, I'm just consumed with lust. I'm just consumed with lust. Well, okay. How long has it been that way? Well, long time. Well, what have you been doing? What have you been, what have you, what have you been reading? What have you been watching? What have you been thinking? See, people don't want to talk about that. They just want you to pray. But see, how'd you get in that shape? Are you with me? So, you know, it it makes you wonder what kind of stuff went on in their home. And it's a sad thing that the life that parents live affects their children. Oftentimes, innocents get hurt because of ungodly lives of parents. Because they have, you know, they have a wrong atmosphere, wrong environment. They've got the door wide open to the devil. And you know, it's not enough just to tell children to do right while you do wrong. Because they'll do right as long as they have to. They'll do what you say as long as they have to. But as soon as they're where they can, they won't do what you say. They'll do what you do. And that's why some parents are so scared when their kids go off because they're afraid they're going to do what they do. Well, I, I, I get off of that. I see I'm, I'm treading on thin ice. <laughs> it makes you wonder, what kind of house did they have? How did she get like this? Because these things don't just happen out of the blue. Anyway, she came crying. She said, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And she cried out, have mercy on me, which is very appropriate. But she used a phrase... That's significant. Lord, thou son of David. Now, if you read through the scriptures and the gospel accounts, you'll see that there were several other people used this phrase and got healed. You know, uh, the ten lepers stood afar off and cried, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. Two blind men, have mercy on us, thou son of David. Blind Bartimaeus, have mercy on us, have mercy on me, son of David. Son of David. See, Son of David referred to the prophecies in the Old Covenant. This is the Messiah. This is the one to come. The seed of David. The Lion of the tribe of Judah. Which is all right. And it's all great. And and they're professing, we believe you're the one. But what would that mean to a Canaanite? Are you listening to me? Somebody who, you know, in all likelihood never heard the word of God. Growing up and... All of their rearing. And the reason I mention that is because look what happened. But he answered her not a word. Now you know, sometimes people read things like this and it kind of perturbs them. (laughs) And they say, well, you know, I don't understand that. Here this woman comes, this lady comes and asks nice. Oh, Lord, thou son of David, it's wonderful. Have mercy on me. And he ignored her virtually. Now, we all know that Jesus is the son of God. We respect him as such, as deity. God manifested in the flesh. But you need to understand that most of the people in in the days that he walked on the earth, they just saw him as as a minister. Some saw him as a heretical teacher. Some saw him as a prophet. But, you know, for the more part, they didn't see him as the son of God. 
Some got glimpses of it here and there, but for the more part, they just saw him as a preacher, we might say. What do you think today? If somebody came up, you know, and, uh, and they were hollering, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, help me. Brother Keith, would you do And I just walked off. You could tell they, they, were, they were in need. They were in dire need. And they're crying out, asking for help. And I just turned and just walked away. Well, a lot of folk could pass a judgment, wouldn't they? Wouldn't they? Well, bless God. What kind of man is he? Hmm? She could have. She came and asked nicely. Lord. It's a nice, you know, respectable designation. Son of David. Perfectly correct scripturally and prophetically. Have mercy on me. Proper. Right? Technically. Perhaps she even said it well. I don't know. He answered her not a word. Acted like he didn't even hear. She could have said, Well, excuse me, Mr. Preacher. I'm sorry, but I just thought that maybe a person could get some help around here. I guess I, I, guess I was wrong, but I thought this was a ministry. I thought you were a man of God. I thought you said, you know, that you cared about people. But I see I was wrong. Excuse me. And she could have kind of told him off, you know. And left. Without. Everybody say without. Without. But do you see what she did? She humbled herself. And she kept following. Now we're talking about humility and healing, aren't we? She could have gotten offended, couldn't she? She could have gotten miffed. Anybody know what miffed is? She could have got upset. She didn't. If she did, she didn't let it dominate her. Somebody said, well, why? wonder why he ignored her. wonder why he didn't say anything. Well, here's the here's first thing to learn. The Lord is good. You understand that? Whether you understand why he did something or not, he's good. And here's a little secret, you know. I heard Brother Mel Piper say this years ago, and I, it stuck with me. Uh, he said, always stay on God's side. You know, what does that mean? Well, if you look in a situation, you say, well, I wonder why the Lord did that. I always just say, well, he must have had a good reason. <laughs> If the devil jumps on your shoulder and says, now that's not fair. God didn't do right. You say, you shut up. You're a liar. God's good. See it or figure it out. It may look a certain way to us, but that's just because our looker is out of focus. It may seem like a certain thing, but that just means our seamer needs adjusting. Because God is good and God is right. And he's fair and he's just. Stay on his side. There'll be a lot of things in life you won't know fully, you won't understand, but stay on his side. Stay on God's side. He, is he good? Yes. Is he just? Yes. He's fair. Yes. So don't doubt him. Don't question him. Don't accuse him. Don't get aggravated with God. Don't ever get troubled and angry at God. You know, there are a lot of people that are angry at God. 
And they have no right to be. It just shows their foolishness. They feel like God let them down. God didn't come through for them. And they may not realize it, but one of their biggest problems there is pride. And we're going to get to some things, but just wanted to give you a little foretaste there. Notice this woman just kept following him, though. She didn't get up and give him a piece of her mind. She just stayed in there. If you watch closely, you'll see how to get healed. Anyway, he answered her not a word. The one reason I said this to you previously is also because of this. Her being a Canaanite, I'll just throw this out to you. You can do what you want to with it. But her being a Canaanite, I think it's entirely possible and probable that she didn't have the foggiest notion what this phrase meant. She may have heard some of these other people in these meetings say this and get results. And figure, hey, that's the magic phrase. <laughs> and the Bible says that the Lord doesn't regard vanity. Did you hear me? How many know that, that, that borrowed phraseology doesn't work? Well, so-and-so confessed this 25 times a day and it worked for them. So you, you've got to say things from your heart. You've got to call out to God from your heart. You've got to pray from your heart. Confess the word from your heart. It's got to be real to you. Not just something you read out of a book. Not just something you heard somebody else say. Faith is not a works program. You understand? It's got to be real to you. And if you just, you know, you may be quoting things, it may be technically correct, you may be enunciating it properly, and the Lord don't even hear it. Because it's not coming from your heart. It's just chatter from your head. If you want to touch God, He's a spirit. And you touch Him with your spirit. You reach out to Him with your heart. They that worship God must worship Him out. In spirit and truth. Truth. You see, you can't, can't be the slightest bit of falseness or pretension. You've got to be real with God. Amen? I heard uh, some, you know, this has been a few years back, but I was in some certain youth group and I was ministering to them and I heard some of the kids saying some things. One of them looked at the other and said, Oh man, get real, he said. And I thought, yeah, there's a lot of folk need to get real. There's some preachers need to get real. Some Christians need to get real. Just, you know, there's too much phoniness. I mean, you can come and say, Oh, Father, I believe that, that the Lord, my Master, took the stripes upon His back. I believe that Himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses as I was 53. I believe that, that, that he, he forgives all my iniquities, heals all my diseases, Psalm 103. I mean, you can nail the verse number down. You can pause at the commas. You can hit the periods right and God not even hear you. Did you hear me? No. It's not a matter of being technically correct. Heart, 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 heart. Is it real to you in your heart? 
Are you talking from your heart? Are you calling from your heart? The Lord said they'll seek me and they'll find me when they seek for me with all their heart. You've got to believe that God is God, that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Not somebody that tries out something they heard. Are you with me? It's got to be real to you. Don't try to memorize something that sounds nice. Speak from your heart what's real to you. She kept following. And, 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 and she just kept on, apparently, she just kept on saying, Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, thou son of David. And he just acted like he didn't hear. She probably just kept following. Have mercy on me. Oh, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And finally his disciples said, Lord, uh, would you send her away? She's crying after us. She's bothering us. Send this lady away. Now this is like Jesus' crusade team. His staff, his helpers. Now see, a lot of folk, that, you know, if they'd have heard that and seen that, they'd have stood up. They'd have said, oh, send me away. Send me away. Oh, no, that's a real Christian thing, isn't it? Send me away. And they could have quoted his staff verses about love and compassion and how you're supposed to treat me and how you're supposed to... And they could have straightened them out and left without. Oh, friends, if you listen today, you get some answers to some things. Because there's some, there's some folk in here that they've told some folk how they're supposed to act and how they're supposed to treat them. And the Lord's talking to you. You missed it in that. And the person that gets hurt in the process, if you're needing to receive something, is you. You understand? We're looking at real humility here. A lot of times people get, oh, they, they, they speak their mind. But it costs them more than they even know. Oh, they, they told somebody else. They straightened them up. Oh, yes. They told them. And left without. Left pride intact. No blessing. You see what she did? She just kept following him. And then he said this. He said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now she knows that he knows. She's Syrophoenician. Sinner. Heathen. He's not even so much talking to her. He just answered them and said, I'm not sent to the lost, but, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now see, she could have got, the, the word Syrophoenician means exalted palm. They might have had a high esteem of their nationality and their people, you know, as, as most people do. She could have jumped up and said, now you just wait just a minute, preacher. I'll tell you one thing, we Syrophoenicians just as good, bless God, as you Jews or anybody else. Just as good. In fact, let me tell you about some Jews I know. You want, to, you want to talk about, you're not sent to us, sire, Phoenicians. Oh, yeah, we're not good enough. We're not, we're, not even, we're not even worthy of you coming to us. See, she could have got hot. She could have spat it off and left without. But what did she do? She came and she worshipped him. What did she have to do to do that? She had to humble herself. Didn't she? You, you know it's true, don't you? 
Can you see it? She had to humble herself and she worshipped Him. Worshipped Him. Do you understand that to really worship God, you have to humble yourself? You do. You cannot worship God unless you really humble yourself. We just got through talking about it. You've got to worship Him in spirit. You've got to worship Him in truth. You've got to get rid of the facades. You've got to get rid of the pretensions. And man, you've got to open your heart and you've got to be real before God if you're really going to worship. Now you can say some things, but if you're going to worship, you have to, you have to humble yourself and open your heart. And she said, help me. She worshipped Him and she said, Lord, help me. Now if she was using borrowed phrases earlier, I don't think she is now. This sounds genuine to me. I mean, she's worshiping. She fell down on the, on the ground before him. She's worshiping him. She looked up. She said, Lord, help me. She said, my daughter's grievously vexed with the devil. She needs help. Lord, help me. So a lot of folk could be long gone. She's still there. She's not chewing him out. She's not lecturing him, telling him how preachers are supposed to do. She's thrown the barred phrases away. She said, Lord, help me. I believe she's sincere. I believe she's genuine here. But look at what he said. He answered and said, it's not meat. Meat means it's not right, it's not proper, it's not fitting. To take the children's bread and cast it or throw it to dogs. Now this would weed the rest of the folk out. <laughs> that made it that far. <laughs> Now see, what, what is he calling children's bread? She came looking for deliverance and healing. If you read the rest of the story, her daughter did get delivered and healed. Healing and deliverance is the children's bread. Well, it's good to know because we're the children. We're, we are the children. He didn't say, you know, imply that healing and deliverance is the children's dessert. Because see, that would imply this is something special, you know. A few might get it. But it's the children's what? Bread. Bread is a staple. Is that right? Healing is a need. It's not just a luxury item. Thank God it is a luxury to enjoy good health, but it's a need in the eyes of God. You read in the Scriptures where it says that Jesus went around and healed all them that had need of healing. In God's eyes, healing is a need. Being healthy and being able to function and obey Him is just a reasonable standard of life in God's eyes. Do you understand? Same thing with having your needs met. It's in God's eyes, being sick and being poor is substandard. It's not standard, it's substandard. It's not His will. Wherever we're at, let's rise up to God's blessings. Let's let Him bless us. But he said it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Here she is, groveling in the dust. Help me. Worshiping him. Help me. He says, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Let me ask you a question. Is the Lord being mean? I see some funny looks across the, across the crowd. See, what did I say a moment ago? Stay on God's side. Is that right? <laughs> Let me ask you again. Is the Lord being mean? Whether you understand it or not, is the Lord being mean? He's not mean. He's good. Is he being good to this woman? <laughs> Nod your head. 
a moment ago, I said, the Lord's good. Somebody said, all the time. <laughs> was he good then? He was being good. Good can look a lot of different ways. Can't it? But stay on his side. Now, like I said, folk that had made it this far, a lot of them, this would be the end of it. When he said, it's not right. Take the children's bread, throw it to the dogs. A lot of folk would look up and said, dogs? Dogs? Preacher, who are you calling a dog? A lot of folk would be ready to fight. Punch, kick, claw. Slap. Hmm? Dog? I have never been so insulted and humiliated in all my born days. I came here to get help. And you have ignored me. And you have slighted me. And you have talked about sending me away. And you have called me a dog. Well, let me tell you what I think about you and your little group and your denomination and your church. You let me... And she, she could let him have it. She could have told him off and left without. And this story wouldn't be in the book. <laughs> Is that right? And it's sad, but it's why there are less testimonies around than there should be also. There's a lot of folk should have some stories about healing and deliverance that they don't have. I didn't say everybody, okay? I said some folk, a lot of folk. I remember I said, how many of us got to deal with pride? These four over here in the corner. No, no. <laughs> That's the three over here. No. Every one of us. I do. You do. Whether, you, whether you've dealt with it much or not, you've got to deal with it if you're going to be a success. What did she do? Did she tell him off? No, no, no. Verse 27. What did she say? Truth, Lord. Not that. You've got to humble yourself to say that. Don't you? Everybody just try that out for a second. Just say that. Truth, Lord. Do you understand that everything the Lord might tell you, everything the Lord could tell you, might not necessarily be complimentary? And yet all of it is designed to help you. And in the end, edify you and build you up. Now, never is the Lord intent on tearing you down and leaving you there. You understand? That's not God. That's not God at all. I mean, just say this, sermons that tear you down, knock you down, leave you there, it's not God. I don't care who preached it. You understand what I'm saying? Because God's in the building up business. Now, He will tell you the truth, though. Amen? As you're able to receive it. Do you know a lot, so many times, the thing that you least want to hear would be the thing if you could receive it. And if you could accept it and deal with it, it'd be the thing that would cause you to grow the quickest and develop the most if you had the humility and the faith 
to take it and do something with it. I've had several people work with me throughout the years in healing school, prayer school, and different aspects. And uh, I've had close friends and close minister friends, and I've had several people over the years tell me, I said, well, Brother Keith, if there's anything that you can tell me you think would help me, I wish you would. Well, I don't care what it is now. I don't care what it is. You know, whether I want to hear it or not, just tell me. Because I want to know. I want to grow. And you know, I don't know whether, you, whether you've thought that much about it or not, but, but sometimes even though people say that, you can't. You can't. And the Lord showed me this, and I, I went through it real quickly, but the Lord showed me this, that people are, even though you know some things, and you can see some things that might help folk, unless they have the humility to accept it and the faith to deal with it, you didn't do them a favor by talking to them about it. You don't say everything you know. Are you with me? I said you don't say everything you know. And sometimes what people think they know is wrong anyway. But even if you do see some legitimate things, you're in the business of helping people, not hurting them. It takes humility to hear it and go, hmm, hmm. I guess that's right. I have done that, haven't I? I have been like that, haven't I? It takes humility to admit it, doesn't it? To look at it right square in the face and go, that's ugly. But that's me. That's what I have been. Not what I'm confessing I am, but it's what I, it's what I have been. I have done that. I, it's ugly, but I have acted like that. But then a lot of times here, people get in trouble here because then they just get down. They just get down on themselves and go, man, I must be carnal Carl <laughs> or carnal Kathy. I, you know, man, and if that's your name, I'm not saying anything, but uh, I, I must be a spiritual dud. Boy, I must be dense. Man, I'm such a mess up. Such a, and the devil says, that's right. And you'll take a hammer and start beating yourself over the head and go, you know, dummy, ignorant one, dummy, dummy. And the devil will say, yeah, but you know, that hammer's not big enough. Here, take this one. And, uh, and he'll hand you a sledgehammer. And he'll say, he'll say, you, 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 you're really a lot uglier than you think you are. You're really a lot uh, nastier and meaner. And he'll help you. And by the time he and you get through with you, you're beat to a pulp. You have no confidence, no self-esteem, no sense of self-worth or value, no faith. Did you hear me? And you're no good to anybody. God or anybody else. So it takes more than humility. What else does it take? Faith. So it takes the humility to hear it and accept it. And go, I don't like to hear that, but that's right. Mm. I always despised other folk that acted like that. And there it is in me. You know, there's a, little, there's a little secret right there. The things that make you so mad about other people. <laughs> Why do you have such a problem with that? Why does that bug you so bad? <laughs> you answer the question. I just thought I'd throw it out. But Romans 2 says if you judge somebody, 
you're guilty of the same thing yourself. That's right. Well, I didn't just judge them. Did you know many, many modern translations, instead of saying judge, they say criticize. That's a good thought, isn't it? I mean, you know, it helps you understand it. It's not really a good thought, but it helps you to understand it. <laughs> so the next time you get real hot and bothered about something, you better go to the mirror. Take a long look and ask yourself, why does that bug you so bad? Hmm? And be humble enough to take the answer if it's not complimentary. But then once you realize that, you know, you got something you need to make a change in, then what's it time for? You've accepted it. You've acknowledged it. It's time for what? Faith. Yeah, this is the way it has been, but by the grace of God, I'm going to change. It's not going to stay that way. I can do all things through Christ. Amen. When I ask Him to forgive me, He does, and I'll be clean, and I'm righteous, and I don't have to hang my head down. Amen. So you've got to have the faith to rise up above it, as well as the humility to accept it and acknowledge it. You've got to have both of them. And depending on where people's level of humility and faith is, then that's how much they can receive. But how much you can receive is going to determine how quickly you grow and develop. And how, how much grace you get and how quickly you develop in those areas. How many want to develop quickly and solidly? You want to go and grow? Well, just get ready then. To look yourself square in the face and go, Ooh, that's ugly. Eesh. I hadn't been doing that, have I? Oh, but I will change. You're looking at a changed man. This is going to stop. This is going to change humility and faith. Do you hear what this woman said? When Jesus told her, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, truth, Lord. That's humility. That's why she's in the book. Her humility and her faith goes hand in hand here. You know, sometimes you may be praying, seeking the Lord. Lord, why am I, why am I, why do I have so many troubles with this person? Lord, why do I have so much trouble with this area? Lord, why am I having so many things? And so many times when people are praying like that and they're having problems, they're not open to looking here. They're just looking here. Sometimes the answer is right here, right in front of their nose. You know? And they're going, oh God, if you'd just show me what the answer is. Lord, if you would just, oh please God, please. We're fasting and praying, God. We're serious. Would you just please show me? Lord, I really want to know. And so many times you have to go, this? Well, that's been there all along. And the Lord will go, I know. When are you going to do something about it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And sometimes the Lord will say, well, you just haven't been very nice. You haven't walked in love. You haven't forgiven. You're still holding a grudge. You're still bitter over that. You've been in doubt and unbelief. You haven't obeyed. You've been cantankerous. <laughs> what have you got to say? If the Lord tells you something like that, what have you got to say? Truth, Lord. Truth, Lord. Everybody got that phrase down? You got? Huh? 
Well, no, no. You're wanting him to get on somebody else's case. And he says, you are just ugly to that person. You are just ugly. So the Lord will talk to you ever how you understand, okay? He might say to you, you are very impolite. <laughs> or he might say, you are nasty. You are rude, crude, and uncouth. <laughs> what do you got to say? Don't argue with the Lord, all right? Just don't ever argue with the Lord. If the Lord says you are rude, you don't say, Well, the Lord, I mean, I mean, she will say, you know, just, just, you must, might as well just can it. Just cool it. Here's the words. Truth, Lord. Truth. What does that mean? You're right. Lord, you're right. You're always right. Always. See, the Lord was not being mean to this woman. He was trying to help her make the adjustments to get into a position to receive what she needed. I'm going to let you go in just a moment, but listen carefully. Can a person who believes they're okay, a person who's lost, but they believe, well, I'm just as good as, I live as good a life as that person down the road, can you get them saved? Until they acknowledge that they are lost. That they're a sinner. That they're not alright. Do you see that? Could he get her in a position to receive until she acknowledged where she was at and what she was? She was an ungodly woman. Canaanite, the Canaanites lived like dogs. All you got to do is go back and read it. I don't, rec- I don't recommend you go and read some of the history on it. I did. And so in the middle of some of it, I thought, dear God, I've never even thought of it. Who, who, and I thought, the devil. The devil thought of these things. Some of the craziest, most perverted, ungodly stuff live like dogs. And so when the Lord said, it's not right to take what belongs to the children and throw it to the dogs, he's not trying to slander her. He's not trying to be mean to her or call her names. Her people live like dogs. What's she got to say? She had to say, Dear God, you're right. You're right. You're right, Lord. We Canaanites live like dogs. But Lord, dogs get crumbs. Don't they? And that's all I need. I just need a couple of crumbs. Just a couple of crumbs of the healing power of God will take care of my situation. You know, sometimes people, I don't think people realize, they think, well, you know, I need this or that. Like, like you need half the power of heaven's reserve to take care of your situation. <laughs> a couple of crumbs will blow most people's problems right out of the water. You understand? We're talking, how much of God's power does it take? Not much. It's potent stuff. You understand what I'm saying? God's power is amazing. You know, Jesus said he cast out devils by the finger of God. You ever read that in the gospel accounts? Finger. Sometimes the Bible talks about the hand of God. Sometimes it talks about the arm of God. But it said finger. Finger. That's how he cast out devils. It's by the finger. I don't know about you, but every time I read that, I think of Jesus speaking to some demon that's in somebody and say, Come out of them! And the Holy Ghost going. And, and, and for, you know, people get these things in their ideas like the Holy Ghost actually ties up with some big demon and struggles around. Forget it! 
No way! You may have a struggle with demons in your head, but when it actually comes to a confrontation with the power of God, the Holy Ghost is God, and His power is omnipotent. That's why the Bible says when you resist the devil, what does he do? He's gone, man. He, he, he's already contacted that power. He's out of here. Are you with me? And so she said, she said, truth, Lord. You, you, you know, you said it don't belong to the dogs. And uh, we're dogs. You're right. This is humility. This is humility. Do you see it? She's humbling herself. Some folks said, well, she's lost all her dignity. Yeah, and she left healed. Her daughter healed. You understand what I'm saying? She left with what she came after. How many folk have left dignity intact? Without. I believe when she said that, truth, Lord. But the dogs, and one translation says the little house dogs, the little pups under the table, they get the crumbs. They, they get thrown a scrap here and there. In other words, that's all I want. That's all I need. I believe a big smile broke across the master's face. She is there. She's in position to receive. She has stuck it out. She has made the adjustments. She has humbled herself. Most folk will be long gone. She has humbled herself. He smiled. He looked at her. He said, woman, great is thy faith. Yeah, you're not a Jew. You're not in the covenant of God. Your people are without God, without hope in the world. You've got no claim to the blessings. You've got nothing as far as covenant's concerned. But you've got faith and you humbled yourself and be it unto you according as you have believed. Amen. Glory to God. And the Bible said that her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Right then where her daughter was some miles away, healing power struck her. Drove that demon out and made her body whole and strong. Because this woman had tenacity. She had humility. She had faith. And she got what she came after. I trust, friend, you know, if you came with physical problems this week, you've come with some tenacity. You've come with some humility. And that you're willing, willing, willing to make any adjustments that you need to make. If you are, we're going to see some good things happen this week. Amen. Amen. I believe good things have been happening today. Amen. While the word's going forth, the Bible said he sent his word and healed them. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.